We are in Lent. And we're doing a Lenten homily series, as you know, and this year's work is discipleship. For the six previous homilies in the series, you can go to our YouTube page, St. Francis de Sales, Newark. Also, invite others to learn the way of discipleship by sharing the link of these homilies with them. This is the final homily. The title of the final homily in this series is Making Missionary Disciples. Missionary Disciples, because this is what our bishop, the the, the big push behind the real future, um, real presence, strategic planning process that he's working on right now, and then will begin to implement over a couple-year process and really will affect us in our diocese for the next uh, 10 to 20 years. The big thrust of that is missionary disciples. So it seems appropriate that we make sure that we touch upon what that is, and um, this will be our final homily. So let's jump right in in today's gospel from John 11 for an insight on how to make missionary disciples. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Now, many of the Jews who had come to Mary and now seen what Jesus had done began to believe in him. An important principle to keep in mind in biblical interpretation. Much of what Jesus does literally also has deeper spiritual meaning, layers of spiritual meaning. So, a few things are happening here. One, Jesus is transforming a life, taking a person from death into life, literally. Number two, in doing so, Jesus is untying the person from whatever held him bound so that the person can live a fully alive life, literally. And number three, others are coming to believe in Jesus no longer by the testimony of Mary, the sister of, of, of Lazarus, by other people who have been evangelized, have evangelized them about Christ, but because of what they are now seeing Jesus with their own eyes do and experiencing him in their own lives, they're literally now coming to Jesus, not just through the evangelization of others. There is a deeper spiritual application for all of us, too, as we consider how to live as missionary disciples. And it's the same three things. First, Jesus will transform lives. But we first have to allow him to transform our lives. There's this little thing called free will. Number two, to take us from whatever is holding us bound, set us free to live fully alive in him. And number three, as we come to life in him, we will want to share with others what Jesus is doing in us. Then these other people will come to believe in Jesus and follow him, not only because of our own testimony, but because Jesus will show up in their lives too. Then, then they will go out to still other people, talk about what Jesus is doing in their lives, lead more people to Christ, and Christ will transform their lives. Missionary discipleship. So missionary discipleship has two parts. Your own, ever-evolving life, 
as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And number two, as you grow as a disciple, which is a lifelong journey, Jesus expects you to bring others into discipleship in him and help them to become disciple makers and other of other people. This is missionary discipleship. And this, these two parts need to go together. It's not just about being a disciple and following Jesus on our own, but being a missionary disciple. And as we follow Jesus, missioning other people, leading other people to Jesus also. And see, what's happened is that this is what we've gotten away from as Christians over the last 60 years during these current five generations that are now alive. We have separated the two. And at best, some of us are trying to be disciples, but we've stopped being missionary disciples. And yet, for the whole history of Christianity up to 60 years ago, that was the way we lived our lives. And that's why Christ is in, part, is in every part of the world over centuries, in every nation of the world. Christianity was present. But it's now retracting only over the last 60 years because we have stopped being missionary disciples. I'm not talking about being missionaries in other lands. I'm talking about being missionaries in our own families and among our own friends and our fellow parishioners who over the last 60 years have gone away and we've done nothing to bring them back. Here are some essential elements then to living as missionary disciples. The first is prayer. Before Jesus began his own ministry of making disciples, he prayed. Then, before he called disciples, he prayed about who to choose. Then, as he discipled 12 disciples, he regularly prayed for himself and for them. This first step, prayer, is absolutely necessary as our first step as missionary disciples. As people who take the name of Christian who are now willing to step forward and start being disciples. The first step is prayer. First, we commit ourselves to pray. Praying to the Father that we can follow him as disciples. Trust in him, believe in him. Let him take the lead in our life. Give us strength and so on. Then we should actually ask the Father, who do you want me to disciple? And the day is done when we've used that common excuse, I can't disciple another person. I'm not qualified for that. I'm not worthy of that. I don't know my faith enough. I'm, I'm not equipped. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And he's calling all of us to be his missionary disciples. Pray then consistently about who to disciple. God will put you together with them. Don't forget, of course, as you start to disciple others, that you continue to pray for yourself and for them. Number two, call. Jesus called the disciples by name. 
It implies an intimacy. It is said that when Satan calls, he doesn't call us by name. He calls a person by their sins. Because that's how he controls us. He wants us to identify with our sins. Across our own life, let Jesus call you by your name instead of Satan constantly calling you to himself through your sin. If you allow Jesus to call you by name, he will help change the way you see yourself, define yourself, and your destiny. Then Christ will call you to call others by name, which will eventually lead them to allow Christ to change their names and their futures forever. Number three, friendship. Jesus accompanied his disciples. He took his time with them. He took time for them. He was patient with them. He called them friends. They followed him in friendship, not just blind obedience. Each of us needs a friendship with Jesus, not just following him because our religion tells us that this is what we must do in order to get into heaven. God is patient with us. So we should be patient with him. Never giving up on walking with him. As Jesus accompanies us on our discipleship walk, he calls us to do the same with others. To walk with them and be patient with them. Through friendship with those we are discipling, Christ walks his life. He walks his life from our life into their life. And friendship is the bridge by which he walks his life from our life into their life. Number four, proclamation. Jesus didn't just teach his disciples. He proclaims to them the kingdom of God through his person. So not just his words, but in his actions, his integrity, his character. The disciples aren't just following a teaching, a philosophy, a morality, a religion. They are following a person who leads them to another person, the Father. The same with us, both as disciples and disciple makers. Sometimes we get stuck on a particular teaching of Jesus Christ in his church. And long before we actually get to know, love, and trust, and follow the person of Jesus, we depart God and his church because of an issue. I mean, hear that again. In in essence, what we're doing is we're making an issue that we have troubles with more important than the person of Jesus the person, the most important person in our life. We're making an issue bigger than him. If this can happen to us, this also can happen to those Christ is calling us to disciple. Who many of them are family and friends and fellow parishioners we have known who have exited the, the, the practice of the faith years ago because of an issue. So don't push on them all sorts of doctrine and dogma and think that's the way to bring them back. 
or immediately demand that they change their behaviors or social opinions, which they may not yet be ready to do, let alone understand and value what Christ is actually teaching. And what he actually teaches is good and true and beautiful. But they don't know that yet. They only know the agenda of the world is crammed down their throats all their life. But they can, and you can begin to help them to receive the person of Jesus. As we communicate to them what Jesus has done in your life. How life was before you truly started to follow Jesus as a disciple. And what life is like now since trying to walk with him as one of his disciples. You can tell them your story. And show them your story. Proclaim the good, the true, and the beautiful of a life lived in Christ. Your life. This will attract others into wanting to follow the person of Jesus too. Along the way, with patience, God will change their hearts. Once he gets his heart, their hearts, he'll eventually get their heads, their minds, and eventually their behaviors and their lifestyles. Healing. Jesus healed people's wounds. And their lives. His teachings always were accompanied by healings, by miracles. Have you noticed that in the Gospels? In fact, it was the healings that led people to the truths he was trying to teach them. So the truth could set them free. The healing wasn't the goal. Passing on the truth to them was the goal. To set them free. So... Let God heal you. We all need healing. And the one who is sitting here today thinking to yourself, I don't need healing. You're the one who's in need of healing the most. Because you can't even see it. When other people, like the ones that God will call you to disciple, see God healing you and setting you free, they will want what you want naturally. They will be drawn to Jesus through your own healing. God healing your mind, your heart, your soul, your relationships, your histories, your hopes. And here's the two that God needs to heal the most in many of us. Our attitudes and our dispositions. Then, when they start following Christ and open their own wounds to Christ's healing... These will be the entrance points for the Lord to also bring his truth to set them free. He comes through the wounds that are healing. That's his entrance point. That he heals. And then they want more. Charisms, number six. Jesus didn't do all the work of ministry alone. But through his ministry, he helped others to see their charisms. What are charisms? It's gifts that God gives to us, our giftedness. And called them then to use their charisms to continue on his ministry and bring more people to the Father. 
This is what is supposed to be happening in our lives. As we get more active in our faith and a faith community, we start to discover gifts, charisms we may have never known we possess or, or we start using gifts, charisms that we knew we had, but we were using for our own gain and our own um, self-aggrandizement or for just the good of our own little family units, but never to glorify God and serve other people in need. God never gave us gifts for ourselves. That's what's called selfishness. As we activate then our charisms, God will call us to help activate the charisms of those we are discipling. Using our charisms will inspire more faith and even more people. So mark your calendars for Saturday, April 17th for our called and gifted workshop. To discover the charisms that God has given to you and or to discover how to use them to glorify his name and serve his people rather than just yourself. Number seven. Witness. Jesus showed his disciples how to disciple others. He won them over, built them up, And sent them out on mission. As he sent them on mission. He then taught them to win over other people. Build them up. And then send them on mission too. This is supposed to be our lives. And the lives of those we disciple. Allow God to win more and more of your mind. And heart. More of your love and life. Then you will allow yourself to be built up by Christ. And as God builds you up in faith, then you will allow God to send you out to do the same for those that you disciple. Win, build, send. And they will do the same for those God calls them to disciple. And on it goes over the generations of making missionary disciples. And on it must go now over the five generations of the last 60 years that have abandoned the most fundamental aspect of what it means to be a Christian. We need to re-evangelize, not just the young. We need to evangelize all five generations. And number eight and nine, teaching and formation. As we allow God to build us up and send us out, we are more ready, willing, and able to be taught by God. Now we get to the doctrine and the dogma. So essential. We will be open to learning the truths of Jesus Christ as passed down through the scriptures and his church. As we allow him to build us up and send us out. Likewise, those we disciple will be hungry to know the truth their minds and hearts on the journey of healing and wholeness, no longer held bound by the lies of this world, set free to encounter not only the person of Jesus Christ, but the truth of his teachings. As this is happening in us and those we disciple, then all the opportunities that his church, like here at St. Francis de Sales, offers to us to be shaped and formed in the faith, what you hear us referring to as faith formation we will fully engage in. 
We will want to be part of the men's and women's discipleship groups and couples groups. We will want to go to retreats and conferences and Bible studies and a host of other experiences to grow our faith and share our faith. All these offerings will also offer us formation and leadership. We will, when we grow in faith, we will grow in leadership. As we are led, God will call us to lead and equip us along the way. Finally, number 10, ongoing presence. Remember that before Jesus ascended into heaven to prepare a place for us in the Father's house, he promised that he would remain with us. How did he promise to remain with us? Right here. In his body, blood, soul, and divinity. In the Eucharist. And in the other sacraments. He has established and founded the church upon Peter and the apostles. And from his church and with the scriptures, by the Holy Spirit, he guides his church, made up of disciples, on a journey to our Father's house. This ongoing presence of Christ in his church, in his word, the scriptures, in the sacraments, his teaching authority, and the generation of disciples throughout time is absolutely essential for our journey to become and remain disciples and to make missionary disciples who also make more missionary disciples. All of this leads to the salvation of souls. One soul at a time. And to spiritual multiplication. As I conclude this discipleship homily series, imagine, if you will, if each of us finally decides to live our Christian lives the way that Christ originally designed us to live as Christians in the world, rather than the propaganda of the last 60 years from a secular culture, which we have bought into hook, line, and sinker and been duped by. What is Christ's original design for us to live as Christians in the world? To make disciples and disciple makers. Disciples who are missionary disciples and make missionaries out of every person that God calls us to disciple to him. And what the result of this is, soul by soul, is in spiritual multiplication. So follow this. As you walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you disciple three other people that God calls you to disciple over the next three years. The best way to remember this, I've referred to this before, is me plus three. Me plus three. Me plus three others over the next three years. You call them, build them up, and send them out through the power of the Holy Spirit. What you do for them, each of these three disciples do for three other people. Within just three years, Christ, through your discipleship of just three other people, will have grown up 39 missionary disciples. Within a few more years of your discipleship walk, the number of people that Christ will have grown will be over 1,000 more missionary disciples through you just investing and three others. Friends, this is possible. 
And this is absolutely necessary. And this all starts with you becoming a disciple and disciple maker of just three other people. Friends, the reason why we are in this world, the only reason why we are in this world is to come to know God, love God, and serve God in this life here and now so that we can be happy with him forever in heaven. And along the way to heaven, bring as many people as possible with us. But there is no guarantee that we will be with God in heaven and happy forever in eternity. Especially if we have fallen and remain in the lie that all one needs to be saved is to be a good person. Believe in God in their head, meaning learn their religion. Pray occasionally, like when we need God. Sit in a pew and avoid great evil. That is the lie of our age. Now, if we are to hope for heaven, we must first and continuously choose to truly know God, truly love God, and truly serve God in this world, and intentionally decide and do the work of making disciples of other people. This is why Christ came into our world, to make us his disciples, his missionary disciples, not just do-gooders and pew-sitters. Being disciples, missionary disciples, is not hard. It's not rocket science. It doesn't involve a complex set of formulas, things that you have to do. And it is the most worthy thing that you can do with your life. It is the thing we are called to do with our lives above all other important things that we do with our lives. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is simply this. Letting God love you. Letting him love you. Really love you. And then allowing yourself to really love God. From there, God will help you love yourself more and be ready and willing to love other people the way they deserve to be loved. Not just with your own human love, but with God's love in you, you sharing it with them. When this happens across our lives, day in and day out, we will find ourselves coming to know, love, and serve God with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves, and we will go out and make disciples of all nations, that is, everyone to whom God sends us. Friends, this is the life of a disciple and disciple maker. Let this be the life we decide to live, here in our parish and in our school, within our families and among our friends, and with all those who God places in our path. And we will become the persons God created us to be and set this world on fire with a love for God.